Good morning. Great to see you here this morning. Loving the weather, loving this October weather. Uh, before I get into announcements real quick, I was just going to share what uh, this week going through devos with our kids in the evening. We were reading through Nehemiah, and in the beginning of Nehemiah, he's, he's uh, just learned that Jerusalem's walls have come down. And so his first reaction is kind of what uh, made me take a step back because his first reaction was to pray. And it says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before God of heaven. And so that just challenged me that uh, my first reaction should be when something big comes along or whenever uh, should be instead of me trying to dive in and take care of that. Uh, to go to God, who, uh, who's sovereign over all of those things. So announcements this morning. Um, if you're new here, we want to give you a special welcome this morning. Uh, we have, we would love to meet with you. Give us five minutes out, out by the front. Any pastor would love to talk to you. We've got a coffee mug for you. Uh, so if you're new here, make sure you hit one of us up after the service. Um, and also for everybody that's regularly here, uh, welcome. And, um, so first announcement is tonight for the youth, we have the Billy Graham or the Will Graham event. Uh, that's for the youth. So sixth through 12th grade. We're meeting at a parking lot. If you don't have those details and you want those details, see me after the service and I'll get you the, the email of the parking lot that we're going to. Uh, there's going to be a uh, flame and there's going to be skillet. And if you don't know who those bands are, which some of you don't, uh, I'm sure they'll be great, but at the very end, there's a gospel message, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a great night. We're praying that God is, is working in great ways in uh, the hearts of the youth. Um, ladies' event, October 9th, there's a fall event. Um, that is going to be at Easter Lake. There's going to be muffins, so, uh, and that's at 10 a.m. to noon, so make sure, ladies, you go to that, and you can meet with the other ladies of Living Waters Fellowship. Uh, the Engage Network men's event is coming up October 15th and 16th, right? Yep, okay, October 15th and 16th. So, guys, uh, get your axe throwing arms ready. There's going to be axe throwing. There's going to be a lot of food um, and then a great time of fellowship. There will be Tony Marita is going to be speaking that night. You can sign up for that event. It's $30 on the Church Center app. So make sure, guys, you get signed up for that. And then uh, trunk or treat. Trunk or treat, that's October 31st. Make sure uh, if you want to get involved, get a vehicle, have a trunk, giving out candy, that you sign up on the Church Center app. That's uh, for October 31st. If you don't want to be the person with the car, but you want to be involved in that and sponsor somebody else's candy, you can also do that on the Church Center app. So go ahead and sign up there. So we don't pass a plate around here for the offering. If you would like to give, uh, we have offering boxes out to the side, or you can give online if you choose. Let's go ahead and stand up. Handshakes, fist bumps, get to know each other a little bit.
Good morning, Living Waters. <clears throat> Please stand with us this morning. <clears throat> uh, Pastor Josh and I, we had a, uh, a meeting about the music this week, and he, he wanted us to have a throwback Sunday where we, we go back to the 90s. And are you guys okay with that this morning? I didn't think it was quite far enough back. I thought we would open going all the way back to 1948, I Saw the Light, and uh, that was uh, Hank Williams. He, uh, he, he based the lyrics off of uh, Albert Brumley's He Set Me Free, and uh, this was a prayer of a backslider who had hope of redemption. But 1948 is still not far enough back. I thought we needed to go a little bit farther. And speaking of uh, Albert Brumley, we didn't want to leave him out. So 1929, I'll fly away. Uh, he's going to get his tribute here. We're singing gospel hymn 92 years later. Are you guys ready to clap your hands, stomp your feet? Did you bring your boots? All right, here we go. One, two, three, four.
When death takes me down and I breathe here no more, his anthem will sound on that eternal shore and join with the angels in heaven on high, singing praise the Lord, he is alive. Enjoy going back 92 years. Now, so I can catch my breath, I'm going to let the ladies lead the next one. <laughs> uh, this one was requested by Africa, 1994, Shout to the Lord. I looked a little bit into the song history, and uh, Darlene Shetch, she was the one that wrote this song, just out of her personal devotions, and she came to the worship pastor and says, I think I wrote a song, and then she started playing it and stopping and starting she was nervous it took her 20 minutes to get to the through the first time and she told the worship pastors can you guys just just turn your backs so i can do the song so this morning i'm gonna have you all turn no, i'm not gonna have you turn your back no but 1994 shout to the lord and this morning we're gonna give him our praise of you. 
Did that bring you back to youth group for anybody? Brought me back to when I was two years old, so I remember that. <laughs> uh, next song, this comes with a warning. You know, we usually come to church to be unified, uh, but it's going to divide us. Um, it split the first service in two. It's going to do the same thing here because uh, we're challenging the church to sing in a round which means that the ladies are going to be singing the lead, and then men, I clarify that I'm a man with you this, uh, <laughs> in the first service. Uh, you'll be joining me on the, on the verse one once they get to the chorus. So just imagine we're sitting around a campfire. It's October evening, cool breeze, and uh, just singing this, you are my all in all, in a round.
Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, that was awesome singing. Amen? It was good. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open up to Matthew 24. So as you're doing that, my name's Pastor Josh. If you're here with us for the first time, welcome. Um, if we could get the, the middle lights up, that'd be great. Awesome. Perfect. Um, good morning. Awesome to have you here. Welcome to church. And I just want to start by bridging the music with a statement about Jesus, okay? May God ever be merciful to Living Waters Fellowship to sing gospel music, amen? And what I mean by gospel music is a balance of historic hymns and then 90s praise and worship, which we got a lot of there. It's Darlene Check, by the way, yep. And and the 90s weren't so bad after all. Amen? Like, you kind of revisit the 90s. Like, it takes you back to nostalgia. I remember where I was when I heard this song. But praise God for the gospel music that's being written now in our day. We praise Jesus for these songs that are gospel-centered and full of Christ and good doctrine. And the songs that will be sung. So just as a church, if you're wondering what our music philosophy is it's any music that is historically orthodox that keeps us centered on Jesus Christ. Amen? So by God's grace, may we always sing those kinds of songs. Praise Jesus. All right, let's read Matthew 24, and we are in verses 29 through 35 this morning. Matthew 24, verses 29 through 35, and may God bless the reading and the hearing of his word, starting in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Praise God. Let's uh, open our time with a word of prayer. Father, we're so grateful for every person that's here. Lord, everybody is here on divine appointment. Everybody's here right on time. You're working in ways that we cannot see. There are some people who are here that don't love being here. They just don't want to be here, but they're here. And God, may the love of Jesus meet those people. God, there are some here that are Christians that are hungry for growth and change. There are some people that just want to, they want to grow in their knowledge of the word of God. Lord, we love that they're here. And Lord, we pray that you would surround them with your love and grace. 
And Lord, there are some here who are far from you, have no idea what to think about their life right now. Going through some of the hardest seasons they've ever gone through. Life is dark and hard. And Lord, we are praying that they would receive Jesus and see Jesus for the first time. And Lord, we pray for everybody in between. God, may you build up the saints for the work of the ministry. May you encourage people who don't know you to believe. And Lord Jesus, may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the 90s were great as we sang about. And we're continuing our, our sermon series on the return of Christ in the life to come. So I think it reminds me of a story when I was a sophomore in high school. It was the mid to late 90s. And I was on the football team and I did not play. Okay, I was a sophomore who sat on the bench. And I was five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, right? If, if you know Rudy Rudiger, that was me. So we didn't play, and we were playing the number three team in the state. Very, very good team. In fact, the night we played them, their punter was a Division I punter. And so he punted one ball above the lights at the stadium. I remember just thinking there on the sideline, where did the ball go? <laughs> this guy's amazing. What are we doing playing this team? You know, and, and we were down 20-something uh, to zero at halftime. They're just killing us. And, and our team had a senior class with high expectations. So the seniors are just ticked off. I'm hanging out with all my fun sophomore friends that don't play. And we're joking around, we're laughing around, you know, but except when halftime comes, you go to the hallway of a school and, and on one side of the hallway, a bunch of guys sit and then there's a little distance and the other side of the hallway, the other guys sit. So I was sitting farthest away from where it mattered to be, right? And I'm sitting with all my sophomore friends at that hallway. It's freezing cold. I know Chris mentioned something about a nice, beautiful October evening, freezing cold in October, and we're just coming in. I'm like, praise God, praise God, heat. This is so great. I'm sitting there. We're messing around with my friends. And then one of the senior captains, his name was Steve, well-intentioned, gets up before the coaches come in and he starts giving a speech, like a rah-rah speech. You know what I'm saying? He starts rah-rah speech in it. And he said, he's intense. His face is all passionate, you know, like your preacher gets sometimes all passionate. And he says, you want to know what I heard? I heard that team so-and-so played team such-and-such -such last week. And they were down by 30 points at halftime. And they came back to win the game. You know, I mean, I know what he meant. What he meant was we will come back in a similar fashion. There will be a miracle on the field. We will come back and win, and we will turn our season around. How did I respond to his impassioned speech? I mocked it, and I was sarcastic with all my sophomore guys, because I was like, oh, oh, Steve, <laughs> got to be careful when you're a sophomore and you're a twig, right, of when you laugh, where you laugh, and how loud you laugh. 
But I started chuckling, and my friends, we were all on the far side of the hallway. We all started laughing and carrying on because what we thought was what reality was. Oh, Steve, just because you gave a speech doesn't mean it's going to get better. We're playing the number three team in the state. We're down 20-something to zero. It's going to get worse, my friend. <laughs> much, much worse and oh, did it ever get worse. <laughs> we went back into the frigid cold. I'm a sophomore. I'm like, God, I'm not a believer in Jesus at this point, but I am crying out to God on the sideline. God, don't let me get in the game. Just don't let me get in the game. It's so cold. I will shatter. I will, if I try to tackle somebody, I'll break into a thousand pieces. So I start praying to God for mercy, right? But it got way worse. I'll come back to that later. I give this illustration to introduce this text. Many, many people in our society, many unbelievers, and many people who will be around at the second coming of Christ will be hoping like Steve, that the world will get better and better and better. Certainly things are going to turn around. Certainly the world will get better. Certainly there won't be as many eruptions and volcanoes and crazy stuff. Surely this is going to get better. And they'll be preaching a doctrine all over the world at the time of the return of Jesus. That it's going to get better, guys. Don't worry. We're humans. We can band together. We can do it. But the reality is much like it was on that Friday night. Before the second coming of Jesus, things will get worse and worse and worse and worse, no matter who gives the speeches. And here's what I mean. The second coming of Jesus, put this in your mind, is different than the rapture, okay? The rapture is when Christ calls his bride, the church, up into the air. That, that's a, an event, I don't want you to get confused in your mind about the second coming. Okay, the rapture is going to be an any moment call for the church to go in the air and meet Jesus. Are you guys ready for that call? Amen. The second coming of Christ is when he comes in his power and in his glory at the end of the tribulation to wreak judgment on the earth upon all who are not, not believing. Make sure that you make that distinction in your mind. It's very important. But many during that time at the end of the tribulation will be hoping that things get better and better and better. But we have already seen nine signs, all right? Nine signs so far of the end times in Christ's return. And you can see them on the screen. So there's a lot of things here. God is building us a list of things to look at when Christ returns. Last week, we looked at the last four. The trigger, right? The abomination of desolation, the great tribulation, more false teachers, and Jesus's powerful return. Okay, so we looked at those. But you can see the list is large, and we need to take note of that. And we're going to be looking at three more this morning. So the big idea doesn't change again this week. Jesus wants us to be aware of all these things that are going to come upon us, and we need to stay close to Jesus. Can I get a witness and amen? We've got to stay close to Christ. Remember that Satan's number one job is to get you off the path, away from Jesus, distracted by secondary issues, 
And we need to say no to all that, be aware of what's going on around us, and stay close to Christ. Hopefully a Christian who comes to Living Waters that's walking with Jesus is centering their life on Christ, not on all the other things. Center your life on Christ, and if things get worse, you need to pray even harder. Jesus, you can come back anytime and spend some time in prayer and say, God, please, because a Christian should not be discouraged by what's going on around us. A Christian should be fueled by the hope of what is ahead, okay? So the big idea is the center of, of what we've said the last few weeks, that we need to keep Jesus at the center of what we're doing. So we're going to get three more signs of the second coming of Christ in the end of the age. Sign number one is in verse 29, and it is a tottering earth, a tottering earth. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. So this verse is filled with detailed truth of what's going on at the very end of the tribulation period before Christ comes in the sky. There's going to be explosive amounts of natural disasters. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to use this to let you know a comment. I am not a scientist. I am not an astrologist. I don't work for NASA. I just preach, okay? So I think that needs to be said in verse 29. There's so many things about verse 29 that I am not qualified to give expert advice about. So therefore, don't take what I'm saying as gospel, right? Do your own digging. Do your own study. All I can tell you is what Jesus said. And for me and for this church, that is enough. That's sufficient. But continue to dig into what I'm saying, all right? God always, when he judges the earth for sin, he always uses nature, okay? So if you look at the back of the, New, of the Old Testament, all the way through the Bible, whenever God judges, he uses nature to do so. So when Jesus is talking about verse 29 as the, the really cataclysmic judgments that are falling on the earth, he's talking about natural disasters that are going to come upon this earth and even time and space, Jesus tells us that there will be some sort of disaster with the sun. See that at the beginning of verse 29, the sun will be darkened. Okay, so, so two ideas of interpretation. Some people believe that that is going to be a massive solar eclipse, one that we've never seen before and will never see again, where, where this eclipse will happen and all these things will be happening and the sun will get dark and the moon will cease to reflect the light of the sun. So both the sun and the moon are in trouble. Um, or the other one, the other option besides solar eclipse is that the sun will simply burn out. Which I did read several articles from NASA this week in my own study. And they say that the sun will burn out at some point. Like this is a very time-stamped reality that that star keeps us warm. And there will be a time when that sun no longer has the ability to shine in the same way it does now. And that will obviously affect the moon because the moon reflects the sun's light and keeps our tides, all right, in the way we, we are. Now, we live in Iowa. Can I explain to you what tides are? <laughs> We're surrounded by rivers and corn. So there's these things called oceans, California and Florida have them and the coasts. They're all, all the tide schedules are built on the moon, 
really, and how the moon reflects the sun and how it rotates around the earth. So if the moon can't reflect the sun in the same type of way as it does now, we understand by science we are on a very, very, very specific thread of survival. So you could see like if those things happen, the sun and the moon begin to be disrupted in a major cataclysmic way, it will cause great devastation on this planet. All right, Jesus also says that there will be falling stars and meteors. And you can see that at the end of verse 29. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. So there will be falling stars and meteors. And there's a couple different articles that I read this week. NASA says that every 2,000 years, there is a meteor that falls to the earth about the size of a football field. Did you know this? And that, when it lands, it causes devastation locally wherever it lands. And that happens every 2,000 years or so. And we also see many scientific articles have been written that even if a meteor gets close to the earth or come and it's, it's a sizable enough of a meteor, it'll cause great devastation on our planet. Jesus is not talking about one falling star or one meteor coming through the space. He's saying meteors, plural, the stars, plural, will fall from heaven. So there is going to be such a shaking of the earth before Christ comes back, his second coming, that it will be unreal. Sun, moon, meteors, the earth is going to be shaking, tottering. The word for shaken at the end of verse 29 is literally like wobbly need, okay? The earth is going to get like full of wobbly knees, okay? So I always think of boxing, all right? So I think I got a picture of Ali Frazier. Yeah, you guys remember this photo? Some of you might have been there for the fight. I don't know. But like this, this big, you know, Muhammad Ali's like this, and he's just like pounding the wind. Frazier's on the ground, right? But before he got knocked down, his knees were getting a little wobbly. And I think that's the idea of where the earth is going to be right before Jesus Christ returns. It's going to be wobbling. Just a couple application points. Currently in our culture, there's a lot of talk about climate change. Have you heard about this at all? I mean, people talk about this, like every day, every week. So climate change is very concerning, shock and awe. I mean, we are just concerned and we're shocked about it. I think Bible Christians need to know how to respond to all the crazy that is out there regarding climate change. First of all, we need to say, number one, if climate change is happening and it's real, yeah, it's disturbing. It's disturbing to all of us. Why? Because God put Adam and Eve in the garden as responsible stewards of the garden. We are called to take care of the earth. Amen? We are called to do that. We are called to be stewards of the planet. And we better take that calling seriously. We should not have Christians in this culture who are less concerned about the earth than our unsaved friends. Right? In, in a good way. We should be good stewards of the earth. But in the meantime, to balance that out, we should also say with reality, if I read my Bible correctly, there is nothing I can do as a human to save the earth. This earth is destined for judgment. It is going to get hot. It's going to be massively in, in trouble. I don't care what they're saying about paper straws, okay? <laughs> Paper straws, man, paper straws. One of my nephews like, paper straws, Uncle, paper straws. I mean, paper straws, are gonna, I'm, these are going to save the world. I'm holding a paper straw. 
at a holiday gathering. Like, you're telling me these are going to save the world? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're banking on. Awesome. (laughs) So shocked. I didn't know. Look, you see what I'm saying? There is a way to respond, to be responsible, and to be a steward of the earth, but not to worship our power that we have as humans to save the earth. We're not going to save it. This earth has a timestamp and it will end with God's judgment. So therefore, we should lovingly and graciously say, as Christians, we're going to be good stewards of this place. But also what we understand is that climate change, whatever pace it happens at, is right on schedule with our sovereign God. God is right on time. And I think we need to understand that, that there will be a tottering earth before Christ's return. Secondly, The second sign is a powerful revelation, verses 30 and 31. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and when they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and gather his elect from the four winds. So this powerful revelation is Jesus, the Son of Man, coming back, and everybody's going to see him. Remember this from verse 27? The the return of Christ is going to be like lightning from east to west. Every person is going to see Christ and every single eye is going to behold his glory. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. So Jesus is going to be seen and this is going to cause every single person to freak out. All right? Every single person on the earth is going to mourn. They're going to they're going to be like, "No!" There's going to be this unbeliever chorus when they see this glorious Christ coming in the clouds, say, no, he's here. And I'll illustrate that in a bit. Jesus is coming back to do business. Amen? He's going to get active. How active is he going to get? Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It says this, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed... From heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. And what's he doing? Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Okay, so there's going to be an unbelieving, proud, arrogant, non-Christian world that's going to look at the coming of Christ and they're going to mourn and say, no! Okay, what's a good illustration of this? Well, I grew up with three brothers I'm the second out of four. Our house was one continual spanking. Can I get an amen? Just one. Somebody was always getting spanked. Somebody was always in trouble. Somebody was always getting disciplined. And so I would, I would illustrate it this way. And the illustration breaks down, but it, it gives you an idea. Okay? My mom was like the prophet. My mom was like Matthew 24. Just wait till your dad gets home. When your dad gets home, the wrath of God is going to fall on your behind. And so at that moment, I feel like, whatever, he's been promising to come for thousands of years. He's not coming, you know, and I would just be arrogant and dad's, he'll, maybe he'll forget. That was always the big thing, right? Maybe dad will forget. Maybe mom will forget to tell dad. Maybe that all happened. But when the son of man, known as my father, came into the driveway, it was a whale. No! 
beating my chest, you know, flailing. No, no, the judgment of God is falling on me. Inescapable. Because when dad came home, the wrath also came. And it was not pleasant. But I think that illustrates in a very small way, an incomplete way, the way the unbelieving world will look into the sky seeing the Son of God. When they see him, they will wail because Jesus is coming for judgment. Do you remember that illustration of vultures? Remember that verse about vultures where the corpse is, the vultures will gather? And I said last week, hopefully you've never seen a vulture, vulture circle from this perspective. Hopefully not. But, but that, that verse, what's up with that verse? Why would Jesus put that verse in there about vultures swirling around? What's that about? I think I found it in, in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, it says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice, and he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, small and great. When Christ comes, it will be bad news for all who have refused to believe in his name. Jesus will not only wipe out the proud sinners, but he will also gather his elect. He's going to gather his elect from the four winds. And you can see that in verse 31. All right, he's going to send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds. Who are these people? These people are believers who have been saved during the tribulation. There will be people who continue to get saved during the tribulation. They will go through immense amounts of suffering. And the last three and a half years, they will be looking for Christ. I'm sure they'll be looking for him every day. And at the end of that great tribulation, Christ will return. The angels will gather up believers and regather them together to welcome in Christ. That'll be quite a welcome wagon. Amen? That's going to be good. And in the midst of that, Jesus uses the word elect, right? Chosen. Jesus is going to bring every single person who has believed in his name, and he will not lose one person. Praise God. When Christ returns at his second coming, not one believer is going to say, I got left behind. No, no. Jesus chooses and he saves and he protects and he delivers. You don't believe me? All right. Look at what he said in John six thirty nine, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that the Father has given me, but raise them up on the last day. All right, that doesn't just apply to tribulation saints. That applies to every believer who believes in Christ from the Old Testament into the New. Jesus will not lose one person. He will bring his elect home. Praise God. Now, I want you to think about this scene. We got raptured saints who are already in the clouds with Christ coming down with Christ at his second coming. And then you have all these tribulation believers waiting together. They're all gathered together. This is going to be some kind of party. Amen? Can you imagine? This is not make-believe. For if you're a Christ follower, this is your future. What a hope we have. This is what keeps us going during the dark nights. This is what keeps us going when our health fails. When we have cancer, when we have trials, when we have tribulation, we think about this future moment of the powerful return of Christ, and that keeps us persevering. So there will be a powerful revelation 
And if you, if you didn't know this already, this short, brief life that you're living right now, you know, the one you hate at times, this is the warm-up lap for the rest of your existence. According to what God's word says, there is a future day coming where we will welcome Christ if we, you know, if we're still alive or if we're going to go see Christ at the rapture and come down with him, this current life is the warm-up round. And I sat with a guy in a restaurant just this week, and actually it's been two guys in the last 10 days who have said, you know, Josh, pastor, I just feel like there's got to be more to this life. There's got to be more than that. I mean, I've, I've watched people die. I've watched loved ones die. I've watched individuals die. There's got to be more, right? And I said, no, this is it. No, live your best, live your best life, you know. Do what you do. No, of course not. I said, of course, there's great hope. If you know Christ, this is the warm-up. 70 or 80 years, and you're gone, and we're gone. What's next? All of these things, the rapture of the church, the second coming of Jesus, the thousand-year reign of Christ, new heavens, new earth. Believer, I don't care what you're going through. You have hope if you have Jesus. Sign number three is the eternal word. Jesus not only gives us a powerful revelation, but the eternal word in verse 32 and 33. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender, it puts out leaves. You know, summer is near. So also, when you see these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Okay, so Jesus says, I'm going to give you an eternal word. But first, I'm going to give you an illustration. The illustration is the fig tree. He says, hey, learn from the fig tree. Okay, what is a fig tree? Okay, we are in Iowa. We don't have a lot of fig trees, but I'll show you a picture of a fig tree. There, this is a fig tree. This is what it looks like. These are figs, okay? We don't have these in Iowa unless you're really driven. Some crazy Iowans actually raise fig trees, but they have to be really hardy. They have to be really strong because they have to embrace the winter of Iowa. But in many, many other places, fig trees are very common. In Jesus's world and in his time, a fig tree would have been common. So Jesus in Matthew 21, he went up to a fig tree similar to this and he rustled the leaves and he tried to grab some figs and he couldn't find any figs. So he cursed the fig tree. He said, cursed be you fig tree and may you never bear fruit again. All the disciples were shocked like we would be like, bro, you are losing it. I mean, like you're like, you're cursing a fruit tree, man. Like this is weird. And then all of a sudden, the next day, they walk out of the city. The fruit tree is completely withered. And Jesus was referring in Matthew 24 back to that account. And he said, hey, learn from that. Learn from that. What, what are we trying to learn about the end times from the fig tree? When you see the tree sprouting leaves, what should you expect next? Figs, right? And if you don't find figs, you got a problem. So Jesus said in the same way, if you're hearing all about this end times, the leaves of end times, here's the leaves and the sign of the times, you should expect the fig of Jesus' return to be near and to be soon. And Jesus is saying, you got to learn that lesson. And then he finishes by saying, this generation will not pass away before all this stuff takes place. This is a verse in the Christian life that makes you go, huh? This generation won't pass away. Jesus, what are you saying? Because it's 2,000 years later now. 
that generation clearly has passed away. Not everything has happened. So is my Bible full of mistakes or not? It's not. It's inerrant and it's infallible. Here's, here's how you need to understand this generation. The phrase this generation is not a quantitative statement. It is a qualitative statement. Okay, so this is not a quantitative uh, statement where Jesus is like, hey guys, you know, you all here, quantity, this, this statement here, you guys are not going to pass away before all this happens. He is saying this is a qualitative statement based on the entire chapter of Matthew 24. When these end times things happen, this generation of whoever experiences this will, you know, will not pass away before it all happens. It's going to happen all together is what he's saying. And you can interpret the U's, the Y-O-U's in Matthew 24, you can interpret those U's in the same way, all right, as a qualitative statement, not a quantitative, okay? Did I confuse you? Amen. All right, moving on, he finishes by saying this, heaven and earth will pass away, which reiterates his judgment verse of verse 29, this earth is destined to perish. It is destined to get hotter. It is destined to come to an end. It has a timestamp on it. Heaven and earth will pass away. Don't waste your life on your house and your car and your mortgage. Amen? Look beyond the physical. See the spiritual. Life is short. You better know Christ and invest for Christ. That's what he's saying. Heaven and earth pass away. Everything you have and you value will pass away. Socially, financially, athletically, every single type of category that you measure life by, everything's going to pass away and everything you see is going to pass away. In contrast, my word will never pass away. Wow. Jesus is contrasting the judgment on earth with the power of his word. Jesus is saying, my word is eternal. My word is unlike any word you've ever heard. My word is supernatural. My word is divine. My word is authoritative. My word is from heaven. My word comes to rule and to reign over all things. Contrast that with your words. How many words have you used this week? How, ma- how much trust have you put in your words this week? How much trust have you put in the words of man? How much trust have you put in to the word, the garbage words that often come from your phone, from your socials? All the words, look at all the words that come across my life. Jesus is saying heaven and earth is going to pass away. Twitter is going to pass away. Facebook is going to pass away. Instagram is going to pass away. Right? Whatever is concerning you right now is going to pass away. But what will not pass away, church? My word will not pass away. 2,000 years since Jesus has ascended. Who are we talking about this morning right now? Jesus Christ. Who came into your life and reached into your hard heart and turned you from darkness to life and saved your soul? Who did that? Jesus did. Who wants to do that? Jesus wants to do that. You think you were born again because some preacher preached a good enough sermon or some person cared enough about you to share the gospel? You think you were saved because of that? You think you were saved because of some influence? No, 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 no. 
We have eternal life because Jesus Christ intersected into our minds and hearts. Amen? Gave us eternal life. And Jesus said, if you've been saved by me, build your life off of what will never fade away into eternity. My words. For some of you, you need to, you need to come to Jesus' moment with what you're taking in. Some of you need to get your Bibles open and read this book. The condemnation of this generation is not going to be that you didn't have access to the Bible. The condemnation of this generation from God Almighty is going to be you had 6,000 Bibles on your phone and you never chose to read it. You have so many verses available. You have so much truth available to you and you took it for granted because you wanted your life to be based on things that won't last. Some of you have built your life on stuff that no one cares about and will never last. And I'm just saying, some of you need to come to Jesus about that. Because he's not angry at you. He loves you. He wants you to spend time in this word. He wants you to memorize this word, to build your life off this word. Because when you do that, it's eternal. It's never going to fade away. What's going to last in heaven? All the verses you have memorized? Yes and amen. All the obedience that you did based off of what you knew about Jesus? Yes and amen. Jesus is making the largest and most authoritative and most amazing statement in all the world. He's like, space isn't even going to last. All the stuff about space obsession, which our culture has had for 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 10,000 years. We're obsessed about getting to space. Star Trek said it best right at the beginning of the show. Space, the final frontier. And Jesus is just like, Psh. sun's going to go out. Moon's not going to do the thing. We're going to have tons of craziness all over space. You think space is great? My word is better. We've three, seen three more signs of the second coming of Jesus and the end of the age. A tottering earth, a powerful revelation, and an eternal word. My question for you this morning is, where are you at with Jesus? It's not going to get better and better. Church, it's going to get worse and worse. And I don't want you to be a Christian walking around saying, woe is me. Pastor said it's going to get worse and worse. Bah humbug, Eeyore. I hate being a Christian. Christianity just, it's just my burden to bear. I guess I'm getting eternal life at the end, so it's okay. My goodness, we have been given the greatest hope the world has ever known. Eternal life. So as we look at the worse and worse and worse, we're ready for that. And we're saying, my hope is in Jesus. Because as bad as it gets, my Jesus is going to take care of me. And he's going to pull me through. So for Christians, I just think you've got a lot of soul searching to do regarding where are you looking for your strength? Where are you looking for your hope? Where are you looking for your word? And if you're here and you don't know Christ, Jesus is coming back through the sky. And, and Luke's gospel account of the Olivet Nazarene, or the Olivet Sermon, is this. He said, people are going to expire. People are going to see Christ coming in the clouds. They're going to literally have heart attacks. They're going to be so scared to death. 
If you're here and you don't know Christ, flee from the wrath of God. It's coming. Don't allow yourself to wait until it's too late. Believe in Jesus now. So we went on to lose 50-something to zero in that game. They, they did end up putting me in the game, and I literally ran away from people because I didn't want to tackle anybody. I got in the game, but I knew I was powerless to change the outcome. We look at our world getting worse and worse. Like, don't put me in the game. Don't put me in the game, God. It's getting too bad out there. Listen, you may not be able to do anything about the outcome, but you know the person who does. And may God give you the grace to call out on the name of Jesus this morning. So as the worship team comes up, I'm going to close. You're going to have a few minutes just to respond to God. Whatever God's doing in your life, respond. If you need to get saved, respond. We had some individuals responding to Jesus in the first service in some amazing ways. May God make it true of 10 a.m. Let's just get, it, let's get after it with God. Don't hold anything back. If you need to get saved, good time to get saved and become a Christian. If you just need to get some things right with Jesus as you're a believer, hey, let's do that too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the incredible opportunity to hear your word, to experience your word. Jesus, you're so amazing. And Lord, we see the end of days coming our way. The earth is not going to last, God. A lot of chaos coming, God. But Lord, this morning, there's a lot of chaos going on in people's hearts. So Lord, would you just speak to every heart here and would you bring people to the feet of the cross to surrender once again to Jesus Christ, to apply the word. And Lord, if there's even one person here who's not saved, not a Christian, may they feel your love in this moment. And may you speak to their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Build my life. What are you building your life on? Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy 
Yeah. 
Amen. God is good, isn't he? Man, he's working. He's working at Living Waters, and we praise God for that. Invitation stays open if you need to make a decision or talk to somebody. Um, find myself, find somebody else that you trust, and, and have that conversation. And uh, may God bless you. And as the old saints of old have said, Maranatha. Amen? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You guys are dismissed. <laughs>